you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Praise God. Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be back with you here in, here in Ireland. Praise God to uh, share the Word of God with you and to uh, be a part of what God is doing uh, here in this house. Amen. We're so thankful you've come out this morning. Praise God. You know, this thing that we're into, the move of God, the Word of God, the way we approach it, the way we, uh, the way we believe it, the way we study it, and the way God reveals it to us. You know, it's, a, it's something that uh, you're able to live in your entire life. And not only that, it's the only way to die because when you die, you get to go to heaven. Amen? Praise God. I, it's good to see Brother John Holloway. I think I've known Brother John for over 30 years, 30-something years, and I watched God touch his heart uh, as a young man. And he served God all these years, proof that there is a God that can touch your heart and can, uh, can bless your life. And uh, I tell you, it's, a, it's an awesome thing to serve God. I bring you greetings from Island Church Galveston, your sister church across the, across the big pond. Amen. And uh, was, uh, everybody there uh, sends their love and greetings. You that can come to the conference uh, at the end of next week. We have several from our church that will be uh, uh, coming. Our daughter will be there. And uh, I think she was with us last year here, wasn't she? Yeah, and so the and then some of our other uh, members and people that we know will be there. So it'll be a be an awesome time, not only for the church, for Island Church uh, here in in Ireland, but for the nation. Amen. Because it just seems ever since we I first came here in in December of 1988, and God gave us a voice here, and we saw a wonderful move of God throughout the 90s. And you know, God, the move of God over the years and over your lifetime kind of comes like waves. You know, it's a Sometimes you have high points and sometimes you have low points, but, you know, God's always moving. There's always some kind of activity and movement in the kingdom of God. And we saw great outpourings of the Spirit, great revivals. Uh, uh, you know, when we were in the midst of it in the mid-90s there, 95, 6, 7, 8, we saw great crowds, lots of people getting saved, wonderful signs, wonders, miracles. People say, why isn't that happening today? Well, it happened back then. That was yesterday, but God's got something better for today. Amen. He's getting His church ready. I tell you, these are the last days. These are the, these are the perilous times that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy about. Uh, the world, the nations of the world, the Bible says, have become a cup of trembling. Uh, it is amazing. I've, I've lived on the earth myself for 67 years. I'm 67 years old, and, and I've never seen a time in which uh, not only my own nation that I live in, but the world itself is in such a, a terrible state and really needs a, a revival, a move of God, a, and people are hungry, people are searching, but the only thing that fills that void in people, and they can try everything in the world, the, 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 the drugs, the, the fame, the fortune, money, whatever it may be, but nothing fits. Nothing fits but God. And we thank God that's what fits in us, amen? And we can come here and share His Word and enjoy His Spirit and prepare ourselves for the harvest of God that's not going to take place, is already taking place. We're either being prepared or it's either happening. We're seeing it all over the world. We were just in a church in Mexico that we were blessed to be introduced to last year and be in. A church, you know, uh, maybe a little bit bigger than this one, a church about 200 people, I'd say. But in one year, one year, we did a crusade with them last year. And in one year, the church has grown to over 1,000 people and God is moving. And so we just did an in-church uh, service for the leadership in the church itself when we went back here a month or so ago. And we still had over 120 people saved. So, you know, it's amazing what God is doing. Harvest is on, and, and God, listen, God is adorning His bride. Jesus 
is coming back for a glorious church. You know, the Lord said this to us, I appreciate your pastor and teaching you to give and tithe and all those wonderful things. But you know, the church is the bride of Christ. And she has a dowry. Amen. I said she has a dowry. And the good news is God's not afraid to open that dowry so the church can be what the church is supposed to be in the last days. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful church you've placed here in this, here in this very unusual place in the earth. A place of great history, a place of great pain. But Father, I thank you it's also a place of great hope. And Father, we thank you that hope has been answered. You sent this wonderful couple here with a vision in their heart for the people that God would touch and bless the people. So today, Father, as we come in at our part, at our portion, we thank you, Father, that not just passive listening, but active hearing. Lord, we're, our ears are open and attuned to, to hear your word, for we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We thank you today that answers will be released. Men and women will receive words from God, that the word of God will have clarity and understanding and simplicity so that we may walk thereby, be obedient to the Lord. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen, Amen. amen. I invite you for sure to come back tonight. I feel in my spirit, my wife and I were up praying this morning, and I feel that uh, prayer for the sick, different things like that, that there'll be a wonderful anointing. You know, the anointing of God is a, is a spiritual materiality. It's something in the spirit realm that shows up in the material. Touch your life, bless you. We've seen uh, uh, over the years, we've been in ministry, my goodness, uh, almost 40 years now, going on 40 years. And uh, uh, we've seen just the miraculous of God, healings and deliverances. Uh, here in, even here in this area, I, I, I preached up in Donegal back in the, in, the, uh, in the 90s. We would come to a little house, house group up here and minister to them. And, and we saw God do tremendous things. We got a, a, a hotel ballroom in one of the towns uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the town. Say it? Mobile, that's right. In one of the towns, we leased a little uh, uh, hotel ballroom. <laughs> and man, they, there's some people there that didn't like it. They took all of our, our posters down and everything. But we had about 60 or 70 people come that night, and we had a glorious time. A man got delivered, uh, had, some, had some devils trying to mess with him, and man, we just had an awesome time, and God just really moved. And uh, so it's always... Now, awesome to see God do those things, but it's more awesome to see God plant a church. Because I'm going to talk about that this morning because that's, that's God's heart. It's not just for the, the people because you are so precious to God. You are so valuable to God. And let me just say this to you. As you study the Word and you, and you come here and have these wonderful pastors teach you the Word, remember this. God continually places value on the inside of you. Uh, your, your government doesn't do that. This world doesn't do that. And sad to say, many families don't do that. Thank God your families do and because we know the Word of God and we know how we're supposed to live. But, but many uh, uh, people just don't value other people and don't put value in the people they love. But God loves you. You are so value, valuable to God that He sent Jesus to die for you. That's how valuable. And here's the thing. When you begin to explore how much God loves you, values you, treasures you, you begin to value and treasure yourself. It removes all of that self, 
uh, loathing where you look at yourself and you think, well, I, I'm not anybody and, and I'm just a little, you know, a little dot down here on the earth. Who could care about me? Who could even know me? And I tell you, someone does. His name is the Heavenly Father and He knows you through His Son Jesus and He loves you and He cares for you so much that He put His Spirit on the inside of you so He could give you life and give you hope and give you purpose in the earth. Amen? Matthew chapter 16 this morning. Praise God. I brought my big old King James Bible. Amen. All of my peers and friends in the ministry preach off of uh, computers and iPads. and I just I tried it and it didn't work for me. So I, I just went back to the Bible. Amen. I heard a, an, elder, an elderly statesman in God. He's gone on to his reward. But he said one time, he said, the problem with most preachers is they preach the Bible cover to cover. He says that's their problem. He said they should preach the cover. It's called the Holy Bible. <laughs> amen. It's the Holy Word of God. Everybody say amen. Now here in Matthew chapter 16, now this, this portion of scripture I'm going to minister to you, I'm sure if, if John were to uh, shake his memory. He could probably remember me preaching this particular message in this particular portion of Scripture probably dozens of times over his lifetime hearing me preach here in this nation. And probably your pastors also would probably say I've heard uh, uh, me speak on this many times. But I, I want you to know that this portion of Scripture in the Word of God is very profound. And as far as I'm concerned, there is some language in there that I consider to be some of the most important language in the Word of God. Because if we, can, if we can understand, and that's what the Word of God does, it imparts understanding to your heart, not an explanation to your brain. That's why we have to learn to walk by faith because God doesn't explain everything to us. If He did, we wouldn't have to walk by faith. Amen? So in some of these verses here I'm going to give a little attention to, they're very important because if we miss them or we don't understand them, we could miss the plan of God for our lives or, or, or believers, uh, I mean, excuse me, or unbelievers out in, the, out in the world might miss their opportunity to get saved because we don't understand how much God loves and values them also. Amen? Now verse 13, here in, in, in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Everybody say, Son of Man. And they said, now everybody say, they said. Now notice this, they said, some say thou art John the Baptist. Some, it says Elias in my King James, we know that's the word Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said unto them, but who say ye that I am? Now, you can imagine the crowd he's speaking to, you know, uh, uh, his disciples, men that have been with him. Now, they had been among the people. We know that they fed a large multitude of bread and fish supernaturally by the power of God. Multitudes had gathered other times to be healed, to be taught the Word. So they were not unfamiliar with the buzz. Is that a good word? Can I say that in Ireland? The buzz, the, the vibe that was going on. You know, what are people saying? You know, this, this is kind of crazy. You know, these miracles and these, these signs and these wonders. And, and this guy, Jesus, man, he, he, he says some things that are, that are awesome. I mean, he speaks with authority and, and when devils you know when devils rise up he casts them out and, and sick people come around he heals them all man this guy's something else so there was a buzz so Jesus knew that 
Now he knew that. He knew he could he could he could hear the conversation. So he he came to his disciples. He says, "You know, who who are all these who who are these people? Who are they saying that I am?" And so the disciples responded like this: They say, "You're John the Baptist." They say, "You're Elijah." Y'all know who Elijah is. He's one of the the Old Testament prophets. Uh, they say you're Jeremiah, another Old Testament prophet, or one of the other prophets. But now notice. These are the men. These are the, these are, this is not Jesus. This is the, these are the men that are observing the ministry of Jesus, hearing the word, seeing the miracles. So Jesus wants to know, who do they think I am? And notice, every answer they gave was wrong. He was not John the Baptist. He was not Elijah. He was not Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So after the disciples rehearsed to Jesus the vibe, the buzz, what was going on, He turned to them because he knew it was not a very important question, but the most important question of life. Who do you say? Who do you say? Not who does the crowd say. Not who does religion say. Not who does the spiritual leader say. Who do you say? Now see, that's also important to you today. Because it's not what, what, what Pastor Rusty from Galveston says or, or your pastor, Brother Ryan, says or, 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 or my friend for so many years. No, what do you say? See, this is the most important question and issue of life. Meditating on this years ago, I, I begin to think about it. I begin to see how you know you. There, there's all kinds of questions that, 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 are, that are posed to you during your life that you that, 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 that grants you a choice that you have to make a decision, right? I mean, you choose, once you get up and you get you choose, you know, who you're going to be, who you're going to hang around, where you're going to live, what you're going to do. Now listen, you can get all of those, quote, questions of life right. You can live in the right nation at the right time, in the right city. Uh, ladies, you could marry the right men. Men, you could marry the right woman. You could have the right career. You could have the right... 2.5 children or whatever it is that's an average in these days. Amen? I mean, you can get every question right. You could, you could have the, buy the right car, buy the right home, have the right career, go on the right vacation, have the right dog. Everything could be right. But if you get this one question wrong, it's all for naught. You spend eternity separated from God. But now, you can get all those questions wrong. You can live in the wrong nation at the wrong time in history. You can live in the wrong city. You can marry the wrong husband or the wrong wife and have the wrong 2.5 children. Drive the wrong car, work in the wrong job and everything be terrible in your life but you get this one question right and everything's going to be okay in this life and in the life to come. That's why this is the most important question that a man or a woman living on planet earth can answer. To answer it affirmatively, positively, To receive Jesus as Lord and Savior means eternal life is granted unto you. Means that when you die, you don't stop existing or living. You just change locations. It means you have a destiny in the kingdom of God because Jesus is coming back to this earth and he's going to gather us unto himself and he's going to take us to heaven and he's going to have a seven-year revival with us and he's going to bring us back to this earth and we're going to reign and rule with him for a thousand years. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss it. But I don't want to miss what he's doing in our day, in these last days, as the end of this age. Just think about that. Of all the men and women that ever lived on the earth, 
in the nations that we see here, uh, the, the African nations, the European nations, the, uh, uh, the new world where I'm from, all over the world. The end of a dispensation, the end of a time, seven years of tribulation looming over this earth. We already see it beginning. We see the, 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 the trembling of the nations, the people in mass moving, mobile all over the earth. You say, what's going on? What's going on? It's the end of an age. Even the earth itself, they tell us right now that the weather, the weather patterns of the earth have been altered. They, can, they have no explanation. They say even out in, the, out in the stars, there are things going on in the stars in the universe they can't explain anymore. You say, why? Because there's a groaning and a birthing that's taking place of the end of a time of 6,000 years of pain and misery upon this earth which is going to conclude in a time of judgment, which God will bring eternal judgment one more time upon this earth. And then this earth will be returned to the paradise that God created it to be so that men and women could live outside of the bondage of sin and outside of the bondage of death and glorify the God that redeemed them. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it good that you've been able to answer that question? Yes, I know who Jesus is. Amen? Now notice the next verse. Let me find it here. He said unto them, Jesus speaking, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now notice this is very interesting. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed. Everybody say blessed. That doesn't mean Jesus reached in his pocket and gave him some money. That word actually means empowered. Everybody say empowered. Oh, say it like it means something. There you go. Empowered. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father that is in heaven. Now these two scriptures combine together. The question that demands an answer. That's the question of life. Anybody wondering today, what is the question of life? What is real truth? What does man search for? Man searches for an answer to his own dilemma. Man realizes as he begins to grow and comes to the place of maturity that he is a temporal being upon an earth that is dying. He begins to realize that many of his answers of benevolence and just trying to do things right does not work. There has to be a change from the inside out. Man needs a new heart, a new spirit, something new on the inside of him that can empower him not only to know his God, but to love his fellow man for all of the pain and the hurt and the wars and the turmoil that has gone, up, uh, gone on uh, upon this earth is not any way an indication of who our God is. It's an indication of who our enemy is, the one that tries to divide us, the one that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came as an answer to all of that, and we are the people on the earth with that answer now, and the earth is crying out for the answer that they'd even know, they don't even know what it is, but we do. But they're going to have to see it not just hear it in us. I was in a nation many years ago, back in 1994, the nation of Haiti. It's a little uh, island nation in the Caribbean, and, and it's connected to, it's a larger island. There's the nation of Haiti. The other side of the island is the Dominican Republic. I was in the nation of Haiti. 
And I had been in a, 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 an area of Haiti, very impoverished, uh, uh, an area that just recently has, has gotten electricity. Back then there was no electricity, no running water. We were there uh, ministering to the pastors. We had 60 or 70 pastors that had come, plus other church leaders. And, and so after uh, uh, ministry time, I had a day, uh, actually I had a day and a half a day to spend in Port-au-Prince, which is the capital city. So I was, I was just, the only way I can describe it, I was horrified by what I saw in Haiti. The starvation, the pain of the people, the plight of the people under, under immoral and evil government. It was, it was horrible. And I was walking in downtown Port-au-Prince around where the Capitol building is. And everybody there looks, they're very thin, they're very emaciated, they're beautiful, black-skinned people, but, but some of them almost look like they're kind of ashen, and others, their hair, uh, uh, when, when those beautiful black-skinned people get, get, uh, get starvation, their hair, because of a lack of vitamins, will turn orange. So you have a lot of them with orange hair. So I'm walking, and I'm kind of praying in the Spirit. I've been all week in a conference, you know, so I'm, you know, you kind of got a, the, 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 the membrane between the Spirit and the natural gets real thin when you spend a lot of time praying in the Holy Ghost. So I'm just kind of walking the streets of Port-au-Prince, and I'm praying. And so I came to the place, I remember I stopped on a corner, there was a lot of people, and I just cried out to God, I said, God, these people are starving. I meant physically, you know, they're for food. I said, they're starving. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, yes, they are. He said, but starving is normal to them. And they don't even realize they're starving until they see somebody that's well-fed. And when they see somebody well-fed and healthy, then they know they're starving. And then the Lord spoke to me. He said, there's people like that all over the world. Not in the natural, but in the spirit. They're starving in the spirit. Their spirit, man, is emaciated. It's, it's got orange hair. The, uh, the beautiful color of their spirit is just, it's, it's not what it should be because they're starving for life. They're starving for life. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you have to stay well fed. You have to stay well fed with the word of God so that when people see you, they'll see you healthy. Healthy in the kingdom, healthy, healthy in the spirit, healthy in the word, and they'll want what you have. See, one of the reasons the world doesn't, doesn't flock in here is, one, is they don't know us, and they don't want what we have because they don't know what we have. Everything they've ever heard about what we have, they, they've only heard conjecture. They've only heard criticism. They've only heard uh, maybe an idea of what somebody may think. They don't know how God saves. My, uh, when we were in Mexico, we talked about 120 getting saved. The, the most outstanding, though, on, on the Sunday morning there, uh, just eight came to receive salvation, a crowd of about 1,000. Eight came, and one of them, the church just was aghast. When he came walking up the aisle, everybody was like, huh! because about four or five weeks, six weeks before our meeting, he shows up at the church announcing that he is a warlock and a witch. And God and the devil had sent him there to disturb the church. He just announced it. So they kept an eye on him. He never got up, did anything. He was just present there. Just his presence there was, was ominous. But we didn't know anything about it. We just came in there and preached Jesus. I gave that altar call that morning. First guy that raised his hand and stood up was that guy that was a witch and a warlock and said he had come to destroy the church and those people loved him. And when I preached Jesus, he said, that's what I want. And years of the occult and witchcraft that broke off of him and he became born again. Just think if the world knew that. We were in a meeting, Lee and I, we had uh, 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 preaching on a, on, a, on a New Year's Eve night. 
and we were in a, a little uh, central Texas town in a wonderful church, the pastors we know. And a man in the church, a member in the church, had been a cripple for five years. He worked in a, in a place where they handled a lot, of, a lot of livestock, a lot of cattle. And in a day in which they were buying and selling hundreds and thousands of cattle, he fell in a pen full of cattle, and the cattle almost stomped him to death. They stomped on his back so bad it broke every rib loose from his spine. The doctors put him in a body cast, and when he healed, he twisted horribly to the right. And for five years, he'd been a cripple in his, in, in his neighborhood. People had to wait on him hand and foot. He was on crutches and could barely walk. In so much pain, he took so much pain medication. And this was back 30 years ago. The glory of God came into that meeting and we were standing there and we were ministering to the hurts of the people and he began to come up the aisle and as he began to come up to the aisle, I never got my hand on his head. And he fell as if in slow motion and when he hit the ground, he straightened straight up and stood up. And he's been standing ever since. We saw him a year ago. We walked into a church in that same area and he was standing there and said, remember me? And I said, I remember you. Just think if the world knew that. Just think if the hurting people out there knew that. We've seen people come in addicted to drugs, totally delivered. Just think if the world knew that. We saw, we've seen people in so much pain and depression. Just depression like a weight upon them. And just seeing the glory of God just lifted off of them. Listen, this same Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, this walking the earth and doing signs, wonders, and miracles, he's here now in the form of a message. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what your need may be or what the need of this church may be, you have to always remember what the angel said to Mary, for with God nothing is impossible. That sparks faith and hope in your heart and helps you to understand that God loves you, cares for you, and does not see you as a mass upon the earth. He sees you as an individual, a, a singular child. He loves you. Let me, let me help you with this. How much, does Jesus, how much does God love you? How much does He loves you as much as He loves His Son is how much He loves you. Amen. Now, let's, let's take this last scripture and we'll, we'll close with it. Now, notice, Jesus answered and said, again, I want to emphasize this, blessed. Everybody say blessed. Because I want you to see where you are blessed. A lot of people say, I want to be blessed. Well, I'm going to show you where you are blessed and that will bless you. Amen. Everybody say blessed. Yes. Say it again, blessed. Yes. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Now, notice this very carefully. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Now, how many of you in this church this morning would testify with an uplifted hand and say to Pastor Rusty, I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Raise your hand right now, unashamedly. Well, that's, that's, that's everybody in here, amen? Now, how do you know that? You don't have to answer. How do you know that? I want that question to kind of germinate. I want you to kind of digest it would be a better. But how do you know that? Is, is Pastor Ryan uh, 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 such a great pastor? And he is a great pastor. But is he such a great pastor that he convince you? Can he convince you that Jesus is Lord? Can Pastor Rusty come over from Galveston? And can he convince you? 
Now here's another, let me help some of you. Can the, can the Protestants convince you? Can the Catholics convince you? No. Every one of you that raised your hand, I don't care if you feel like you're special. I don't care if you feel like you're somebody or not. If you raised your hand and said, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You've not been visited by a preacher. You've not been visited by a religion. You've been visited by the Father. You've been visited by God Himself. He has handled your heart. He has handled your spirit. He has left His essence in you. The Bible says it like this. It is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. God has put that on the inside of you. The problem is, is the devil fights and fights and fights and tries to keep it dormant instead of active. You've come to church this morning so that it might be activated on an even greater level. You said, how? By the faith you get. Think of that. God the Father knows you just like your earthly father, but even more. Why did your earthly father know you as well as he did? Because he birthed and he spawned you. Your mother birthed you, but he spawned you. God's seed birthed you. Your father's seed birthed you. God's seed birthed you. Who's his seed? His name is Jesus. Blessed art thou. Blessed art thou. Blessed art thou. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. But there's evidence in your life that you've had a visitation. And because of the visitation, the place of the visitation has been the place of His habitation in your life now. Oh man, if that doesn't make you happy, if that doesn't give you a reason to hope, if that doesn't thrill your heart, that it's not some religious speculation or some uh, ritual that you go through because of religion or some, uh, some emblem you carry around your neck. No, God has come into the deepest, deepest area of your own personal life and He has showed up there and He has handled your heart and He has left an impression in your heart of Himself and a residue of Himself in you so that you might know that you have been given life and that you have been given it in abundance. You have abundant life in you. You have life in you. You have life in you. Everywhere you go, there's people that you think that might not even like you. But they do like when you come around. Because when you come around, life comes around. Amen. We possess something. The Bible said we, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. It is a treasure. It is the treasure, the most valuable commodity on the earth is the spirit of almighty God, the heavenly father that would dare to come down and redeem sinful mankind who through his own choice sinned in the garden and allowed all this pain and misery to be upon the earth now for over 6,000 years and man has lived in a de-evolution process, not an evolution process growing into something great but a de-evolution process coming from the presence of God to the animal he is today. God sent the answer 2,000 years ago. And he interrupted the iniquity of Satan present in the lives of men and women. And the devil fought it. And the church went into the dark ages. But there was one man who wouldn't give up. 
as government encroached itself into the church universally. That's Catholicism. As, as others begin to, to, to discover other doctrines that brought Christians into legalism and bondage, one man looked into the Word of God and saw that it's faith and faith alone that opens the door to God Almighty and Jesus His Son and the power of His Holy Spirit. And it is not passed away with an apostle in the first century of the church. It's been here all along. Electricity has been here all along. Even in this region of Ireland in the dark ages, there was electricity here. It was here. Nobody knew how to gather it. Nobody knew how to assimilate it. Nobody had a product they could connect it to. But it was here. But eventually man discovered its power. And now we can light the darkness. And we can heat the cool. And we can cool the heat. And we can do all kinds of things we couldn't do. Same thing true of the Spirit. It's always been here. The Spirit of God broods and moves. I was studying that. I'm reading a new translation of Genesis last night and I was reading it and it talked about how, how the Spirit of God brooded over the, over the face of the deep. And I always read my translations. It always talked about how like a mother hen would brood over her, her, over her chickens, over her little chicks and protect them no matter what was happening. She'd just brood over. But that's really not what it's saying. It's saying as the Holy Ghost brooded, it's like a, it's like a groom beginning to come on top of his bride in order to create. And the Holy Spirit brooded over the earth and God said, let there be light. God being the only being in the universe with a concept of light. Let there be light. Where was light? Light was in his heart. But he didn't want it in his heart. He wanted it out there so he could create. So he said, let there be light. And light was. This is the God we serve. He's the one that put the stars in their place, created the moon. He's the one that spoke to the earth and commanded the continents to begin to rearrange and the oceans to begin to go back into their, into their boundaries. In Proverbs it says, I've set the boundaries of the sea and they shall not change. How many of y'all have heard all this, uh, what do they call it, uh, global warming? We're all going to be underwater one day. No. The Word says, I don't care what the scientist says. The Word says. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. The Word says. I said the Word says. The Word says. My, my, my uh, pastor, uh, when I went to Bible school, Pastor John Osteen, pastor of the Great Lakewood Church in Houston, he used to preach a message about a little piece of sand sitting on the beach. And there he sat, right on the, right on the shoreline of where the, or where the ocean and the beach come together. Little piece of sand. He's just living there happy as can be. And one day the ocean rose up. Big mighty waves begin to roar. And they begin to roll up on the beach and they begin to flood over the little piece of sand. And they begin to say, we're going to overtake you. And we're going to flood you. And you're never going to be a little piece of sand on the beach anymore. You're going to be a, uh, a piece of sand covered by the water. Nobody know who you are. You'll never see the sunshine again. But the little piece of sand had been going to Island Church in Derry. And the little piece of sand said, not me. For the word says, you can rise up. You can become a storm. You can flood over me, but you got to go back got to go back because the word says my father has set the boundaries of the ocean and it shall not change hallelujah he's in you he's living in you today I encourage you in the days ahead it's not going to get better you say pastor we're just believing everything's going to get better please don't, don't exhaust your faith there you say, why? 
we're caught up in a drama. It's like they're pulling the curtain on a, on a great play that it's been acted out for 6,000 years. And that curtain's fixing to come together. And it's going to be done. It's going to be done. It's amazing how time becomes irrelevant when at a point in time something happens. My, Leah's, Leah's mother, my mother-in-law, we called her Momo. She's a little French lady, about as, a little bit shorter than Leah. And when she turned 90, when she turned 90, I turned 50 when she turned 90. And so uh, we were both standing at the, in her kitchen, and I said, I said, Momo, man, seems like 50 years just went by like that. She said, wait till you get 90. See how time becomes irrelevant. You live in the moment. You live in the moment. The Bible calls it the fullness of time. And there's a moment in the fullness of time that happened 2,000 years ago. It took it 4,000 years to get here. They prophesied about it. They built a nation to get it here. They raised up a king for a lineage. They created a priesthood so they could, they could worship God outside of purity. That's what it was. They had to have blood. Blood, 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 blood. Then one came who in his veins did not beat the blood of Adam. In his veins, the blood of God flowed. And he took that blood and put it on the mercy seat. And he cleansed you with it. Just like the priest used to cleanse the Holy of Holies. The Holy Ghost has come in and cleansed <laughs> the Holy of Holies. That's why sin is so detestable. And even the, uh, the closer you get to God, the more, like we sang the song, Holy. You get in His presence. It's holy. He is holy. You want to be right. You want to live right. You want to serve right. Why? Because He's holy. And because He loves you. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Have you answered that question? That's the greatest life enhancement that a man or a woman on the earth can have. If I were to give you a, a what do you call the truck? Lorries? If I were to give you a lorry full of gold, it would not be more valuable than salvation. Because there would be a time on the earth in which you would not be able to spend it because you would no longer be on the earth. But your salvation is your riches for eternity. And with your salvation, you share in the wealth of God. Amen? Lift your hands up. Father, we pray over these beautiful people that a stirring would come in their heart today that they would recognize and realize how valuable and special they are. How the touch of God is upon them. And that revelation of Jesus that, that you visited with them with is now becoming a habitation of the glory and spirit of God right here in, in, in Derry, in Londonderry, North Ireland, where the devil has tried for years and years to pit men and women against one another, another over ridiculous claims of religion and God. We thank you now, Father. You're rising up as the one and true God that will draw the hearts of all. Not Protestant, not Catholic, but those that believe in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Yes, Lord, that the spirit of depression and darkness is broken that all the enemy has tried to do and the great victories we saw in the revivals of yesteryear. We give no ground back. I said we give no ground back. I said we give no ground back. But we take ground. 
I said we take ground. We will live happy. We will live joyfully. We will live healthy. And we will live prosperous in these last days. Refusing, refusing the temptations of the adversary and the collapse of the system in which we live. Thank you, Father, for protection, for goodness, for blessing. And Father, for your destiny in this church. Thank you, there's a change. A seed for change. That's been planted but not germinated. That's begun to grow. And will shortly break through the surface between the spirit and the natural. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise God. God is good. Pastor Ron, you want, will you all want to do communion? We'll do communion. Praise God. You all want to receive communion this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. We invite everybody to receive communion. You say, well, I, I'm not a member of the church. But if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you can receive communion. Amen? Praise God. So do we have someone to, to, to come up and serve, if you will? I'll turn to a scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. That's should sure it is a very familiar portion of scripture to you. Now let me just help you. You know the 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 communion ceremony is an ordinance of the church. You understand that? A lot of denominations and churches try to use it as salvation that if you were if you, like if you were not uh, water baptized you can't be saved. Well, that's not true. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you don't believe the Bible or someone with a funny hat. So I believe the Bible. Amen? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we have a lot of visitors come to our church because we live in a, in a tourist town. So a lot of times people will come to our church and sometimes they'll come to our communion service. We usually have it at night on Sunday nights. But a lot of times there's visitors and people are always, well, I'm not a member of the church. Can I, can I receive communion? Well, are you a believer? You're a Christian? Well, you're a member of the church. And that's who receives communion. Now, communion is an ordinance. And we'll, we'll go a bit, little bit more into that. But the two ordinances of the church are communion and water baptism. Amen? You say, now, why is that relevant to us? Well, here's the deal. Water baptism is the completion of the three baptisms. The first and most important, baptism into the body of Christ. That's salvation, the new birth, being born again. Then there's the endowment with power, baptism in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. That's the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's baptism in water, inward showing, I mean outward showing of the inward grace you receive as you identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. It's that simple. It's that simple. I said it's that simple. So we invite everybody who names the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to receive communion in fellowship with us. Amen? Now, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, oh, let me find it here. Praise God. My 1 Corinthians. Yeah, here it is. Uh, verse 23. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Everybody say Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. This is not Peter, James, John. Y'all remember Paul's testimony, right? He was a rascal. I mean, what a rascal is. He's a, he's a scallywag, you know. He was, a, he was not a good guy. 
He was tearing the church to pieces. He, was, he, was, he consented to the execution of one of the church leaders. I mean, this guy was bad news. Except people were praying for him. And on a, on a trip that would have brought great harm to the church in Damascus, Jesus knocked him off his donkey. He got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. Everybody thought, everybody went crazy. But God used Paul. And Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament. But now notice verse 23. This is so unusual to me. This is why it pays to, 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 to meditate on the Word of God. Listen, meditate on the Word of God. Because it helps you live in it. Everybody say live in it. Listen to what he says. For I received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now listen to that again. Listen to this scripture. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth. For I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now, if you'd have been sitting in the church in Corinth, maybe you had moved your business out of Jerusalem down to Corinth. So now you're living in Corinth. Now you'd been in many meetings in the Jerusalem church where number one, who's pastor in the church in Jerusalem? James, and that's not Peter, James, and John. That's James, the, the, the younger brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. They share the same mother, but not the same father. Joseph was James's father. God was Jesus' father. Amen. So he's the preacher there. And then you've got always coming into the church. Who do you have? Well, the disciples that were with Jesus. Peter. James, John, boy, I bet they could throw a communion service. They were there at the Last Supper. Then why didn't God let Peter, James, or John write about communion? He let Paul do it, and Paul wasn't at the Last Supper. Amen? Here's why. The Last Supper they were at was a Passover celebration. That's what it was. And if he would have allowed those Jewish men like that to begin to frame and doctrinally give us communion, it would have caused Christianity to become even more ingrained in Judaism and we would have been a lot harder getting it out of Judaism and to you and to me. Amen. So this is an amazing scripture. Obviously, either by revelation or vision, Jesus had visited Paul and says, this is how we do communion. Amen. Now notice, pattern right after how Jesus did it at the Last Supper. It says, and when he had given thanks, Jesus, speaking of the bread, he break it. So does everybody have a, have a host here? We call it a host or a bread or anything like that. It says, when he had given thanks, speaking of the bread, he said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do ye in remembrance of me. Now, he had not died yet. His body had not been broken. He's doing this by faith. This is a faith act of Jesus before he goes to the cross. You know, I, I've, I've got some teaching I've taught on faith for almost 40 years, but I've got some things the Lord has showed me recently about faith I've never seen and never heard anybody teach on. And this is one of those areas. You say, what do you mean? Well, they're, they're, they're up there and they're receiving an act that's going to be done in the local New Testament churches all over the world for 2,000 years. They're doing it in a, in a ceremony that, that, those, that those disciples had done all their life at Passover. So what Jesus is doing, God explains it like this. He says it's like folding up a blanket and putting it on the shelf and pulling out another. One dispensation is ending. Another is beginning. Jesus is fixing to go to the cross. 
His body's fixing to be broken to break the power of Satan over you. And he wants you to forever be in remembrance of that. So he says, we're going to put communion in the church so that when you receive communion, you'll remember that my body was broken so the devil can't torment you anymore. Woo-wee. Amen. So hold up the bread. Break it between your fingers. Let me pray. Father, we honor you this morning. Jesus, we honor and worship you. It was your body that was so broken. It was your blood that was spilled and offered. And today we're so thankful. Lord, what it says in 1 John, for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And Father, in great honor of the broken body of your Son, our Savior, we receive the bread in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the bread. Carefully, if you will, take the cup. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for Hebrews 9, 12. Not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. We receive of the cup today, reminded that Jesus seven times shed his blood and one time offered it in the holy of holies, upon the mercy seat of God. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. And in great honor of all, all that the blood has done, we receive of the cup. Now quickly, as we close, verse 26, For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink the cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, unworthily he shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now notice this. Here's where we really need to zero in. But let a man or a woman examine himself or herself. Not your neighbor. Not the one in front. Not the one in back. Yourself. Examine yourself. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak. They can't get themselves healed. Many are sickly. Every bondage that comes seems to come on them. And many die prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. This is what I like to call the self-inventory that we all must do. Judge your, don't judge me, judge yourself. When we judge one another, here's what happens. If you wrong me, steal from me, lie to me, sin against me as a, as a, as a brother, as a believer, and if I allow that act of sin and attrition against me 
to become something that I judge. That means, number one, I have to first step out of my love walk. Amen. I don't know. I've learned this over the years. I don't know why people do the things they do. But I think a lot of people do a lot of bad things because they have a lot of bad things going on in their lives. And it's hard for them to be good. Amen? What are we going to do with people like that in the church? We have to love them. We have to forgive them. If we judge them, now here's what we do when we judge. My judgment of you, if you wrong me, automatically puts me in a position of offense. Because I've taken what you've done and I've counted it as a wrong. And you have wronged me. But God said, you can't do that among yourselves. You must forgive. Not only each other, but anyone in the world that's ever hurt you past, present, or future, living or dead, you've got to walk in forgiveness. Because if you judge, offense will come and live and abide on the inside of you. But if you don't judge and you say, you know, I've been forgiven of much. And although you may have wronged me, I don't count it as a wrong because I love you. And I forgive you. We had something happen in the United States about, it's been about 15 years ago. I'd, the church was about five or six years old. And I was sitting one day at my home watching the news. And a news report came from around the Pennsylvania area. A wicked, wicked man had taken seven precious little girls and their teacher captive in a schoolhouse and these were among the uh, people they call the Quakers. I don't know if you know who Quakers are. They're, they're very godly people. They're very, but they're very, uh, they don't believe in the electricity. They, they have a different kind of view of things, but they are very godly. This crazy man, sick as he was, murdered all seven of those children. And when they were bringing the bodies out, the elder of the Quakers was standing there and a news reporter put a mic in his face and said, do you have a comment that you'd like to make to the people? He said, yes, I do. And as he began to speak, the community of those Quakers began to gather behind him, which were the parents of these children. And as he stood as their spokesman, he said, to a person here, we want everyone to know that we forgive this man and we love him. And we will be praying for him that God somehow will find him and touch him and heal him of whatever hurt it is that caused him to commit this heinous crime. That's the only thing that heals church is forgiveness. No matter how bad the crime may be, no matter how deep the hurt may be in your heart. I think of the pain of this nation. The, look, I've been here since 1988. I, I did this all through the 90s. I know what's going on here. And the offense and the pain and the hurt must be healed. That's what will be the revival of Ireland. Is the healing of the hearts of the people from what we've done to each other. And as we do that, Jesus gets glorified and magnified. But it has to start somewhere. And thank God when people see us, they can see us well fed. And maybe they'll want what we have. Love, forgiveness, acceptance. Amen? That's the only way to have peace. And he's the Prince of Peace. Amen?